0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writingexcuses. Season 16. Episode 41.
1: This is Writing Excuses, talking about middles and conflicts.
0: Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Ciel. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Mary Robinette.
1: And we are getting into the really fun stuff of this MICE quotient. We're going to talk about the middles and the conflicts uh, that the MICE quotient can help you to create.
0: Right. So this is about looking at the try-fail cycles um, and how to use the MICE quotient to decide what kinds of conflicts to include inflict upon your characters so you, you may have noticed that that frequently the hard part of writing is actually figuring out what to leave out uh, which is one of the things that the mice quotient is really good at at helping you with but for me where what I enjoy doing is is this stuff that uh, we started to get into in the last episode which is is the braiding that that Chelsea was bringing up so the thing that is joyous about having more than one mice quotient is that it, it introduces an element of unpredictability to your story. When you do a single thread story, the consequences uh, of the try-fail cycles are pretty straightforward. Someone tries something, they either succeed or they fail, and then you have more of the same. So And you know that if you if you start the story with someone saying, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get out of here. And the tone of the story is a is happy ending. It's like, oh, I got out of here. You know that that's where you're headed. And all of the conflicts are going to be similarly weighted. It's like, oh, they're going to try three times to get out of there and then they're going to succeed in getting out of there. What the MICE quotient does when you're making these decisions is you come up on that decision point and you can have, instead of introducing an obstacle, which is a conflict that is in the same thread, you can have one of the other threads intersect that and throw throw everything off. So this is where, you know, it's like the person thinks, ah, I'm going to go home and, uh, I, you know, I have, been, I have been a terrible, terrible spouse and been extremely neglectful. I want to fix that about myself. And I'm going to go home and surprise my spouse. And, oh, no, I've caught them cheating, <laughs> uh, which is a, a disruptive event. Um, and that kicks off. That's a status quo break. So that's, I mean, granted, that is frequently a, a very predictable thing uh, going home and saying oh no secretly they're an elf uh, that would be slightly more surprising uh, point being that you can you can push things off track and what it means is that when you come into a try fail cycle that there are several different places that the story can can then move from that point and that's Gets into beginning to introduce some uh, some some unpredictability to this. I find that the the more times you um, you kind of send a story off into a, another thread, um, the that it can be it can often wind up being confusing to a reader. So you have to you have to balance it a little bit which is where the fun decision-making process comes in for storytelling. (laughs) And um, can I clarify something? When you're talking about try-fail cycles, you're talking about yes, but, no, and? Correct. Okay. So, Or or as answers. So um, this is, thank you for making me clarify. So (laughs) a try-fail cycle is um, where a character tries something to solve their problem, which is the question that we introduced at the beginning, and then they fail, um, them to try again. So with yes, but no, and there's a certain series of possible answers. And if you're looking at the yes, but of a, um, of, of say a milieu thread, the central question is, will they be able to get out of here? And then each thing they approach is, the question is, will this work? And the answer will be, uh, Yes, they managed to get the door open, but uh, they discovered a room full of bees. <laughs> so this is still a problem with their environment, right? So obstacle. Um. So, exactly. So that's an obstacle. But you can also have yes, they managed to get the door open, but, um, but they discover a dead body on the floor. So the dead body is not about them trying to navigate the space. Now they have a they have a murder that they need to solve. Complication. Um. So that <laughs> complication, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, trifail cycles and the yes but no and completely uh, revolutionised. I would say my writing because I'd never heard of it before, and I was always giving my character something that would lead to a straight up yes or a straight up no, and then there were no consequences. It, it just, it didn't work. Whereas this, on the other hand, very, very useful. It's, it's pretty reliable.
1: <laughs> so one thing that uh, C mentioned in one of our early episodes on this class was the, the TV show Leverage. And I feel like that's a really wonderful example of using different mice elements to avoid predictability. Because on the one hand... Uh, you know, I've been going through Leverage recently with my daughter introducing her to it. And in almost every episode, even the ones that I never remember watching, you can almost immediately say, oh, okay, they're going to do this and this and this and this. Like it's a fairly predictable show in a lot of ways. Uh, I love it, but I can usually tell where it's going. The thing I often can't predict about that show is the types of solutions that they will come up with. I know exactly how they're going to go about solving this problem and exactly which problems will arise. But then they do find some other thing that crops up and I go, Oh, I was not expecting them to solve the problem that way. And usually it is an extra mice quotient thing popping up. Um, and so I, I, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but they do a good job of using those specifically as a way of avoiding predictability.
0: Yeah, like one of the one of the things that is um I mean it's a a, a thing that happens quite often. You'll you'll see this and and once I flag it for you it becomes it becomes very very obvious. Characters are having there's a there's a character conflict and they're having a discussion to try to resolve it and then there's an earthquake or the power goes out or something interrupts that conversation so what's happening in that case is that uh the answer to the is like no this conversation is not going to fix the problem between them and a a landslide is going to sweep them away and and it is like once you once you start to see how many times important conversations are disrupted by events, um, it, it's <laughs> it's like you, this important conversation begins and you're like, well, something's about to go terribly wrong. But the reason it <laughs> happens is that you can't let them resolve that, and your other options are are things in the character line, which would be. We try to have this important conversation and there's a further misunderstanding. And that's, that is another pattern that you frequently see. So this is, you know, this reintroduces tension, but a different kind of tension into the scene because you don't know the kind of thing that is about to go wrong. Yes. In addition to the, to everything else.
2: This kind of reminds me of that advice where if you're writing the story and you're like basically like treading water or going in circles, send in a man with a gun. <laughs> Just <laughs> <Yeah>. Do something. <laughs>
1: Just have something happen. Um, I'm going to pause now for our book of the week, which is actually I get to talk about this time. Uh, it is a book called Rainbringer by Adam Berg, who's an indie author. Um Rainbringer is a fantasy novel that begins uh, with what seems like a very much an inquiry story. Uh, A young woman has been made the new Rainbringer for her village, which means that she basically will ritually starve to death in order to save everyone as part of this ritual. And she's trying to figure out why that is and has reason to believe that there's something deeply flawed with the magic outside of the, you know, the deep flaw of sacrificing people in the first place. Um, really interesting, really compelling uh, story, the kind of story that I haven't seen in fantasy before, uh, that is basically like a, a locked room mystery. But at the same time, th- about half the book follows the, uh, the woman's best friend, as she goes exploring other things, and it turns into several other types of story all braided together exactly the way that we're talking about it. Um, really fresh, uh, really well-written Rainbringer by Adam Berg. Cool.
0: Uh, this this actually, while we're talking about this, um, one of the things that I, I want to talk about when we're talking... When we're thinking about try fail cycles, is we frequently hear people talk about the saggy middle, uh, the the point where you're just treading water. What I find with myself is that when I'm doing that, it's because I I want to, like there's some big set piece that is supposed to happen that is, you know that that I know that we need to get to, but there's several things we have to go through in order to get that to that point and we have to set them up and and that when that happens it's because i'm not putting in conflicts that come with consequences that i'm i'm just kind of putting in things because i need to put in something because we can't get there yet and that my reason like all of that that they are very artificial th- barriers between me and and the solution So when I look, when I use the mice quotient, what I'm usually able to do is to find more interesting problems to to, to put in there. And I'm able to avoid the story bloat, which is the other thing that will often happen in the middle, where I will have the man enter the room with a gun, but now I have to solve that. And it's not really connected to everything else. So if I look at the kinds of conflicts I have already been introducing, then I can usually find something on, on one of the threads that I have active and moving forward that will, that will carry it through. And, and that's, that's been very useful for me is to, to look and say, okay, you know, right now what's going on is um, that I have a milieu. Rather than having a man enter the room with the gun, is there something that I can have go wrong with the place? with their, their navigation in the place. Or I've been having a lot of things going wrong with the place and I have this character thread that is active. What can I do? What about the place can cause my character to have a, a moment of self-revelation or a moment of self-crisis and kick me back over onto that character thread? And that, that I find helpful sometimes as a, a way to keep that middle from, from sagging quite so much. See, did it, it look like you had a, a thought?
2: No, I was just thinking about how you absolutely nailed the problem that I've been having writing my book for the last month. And I'm kind of mad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have stumbled on to why I enjoy doing writing excuses The number of times that I've been listening to someone else And suddenly stopped paying attention to the episode As I rewrote a
2: scene in my head <laughs> Oh my goodness, okay um, Yeah, that's well exactly what I was doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, it's a I I do it all the time. I like I really see the middle as the opportunity to like make everything kind of like, I don't know how to put this because a lot of my frustration when I was starting to write books was when I was looking at structures, I would get to the middle and it would be like an endless field of nothing. It would be like, I'm reading Save the Cat. And it's like, this section is called fun and games. It's like, that's wonderful. What does that mean? <laughs> um. So yeah. what I figured out was what you do in the beginning part of the story, like say the first quarter of the story is you're setting up all of the elements that you're going to visit and develop in the middle of the story. Um, and so, yeah, you need to like figure out how you hit this inevitably big failure. Um, after you like, finally decide Mm -hmm. what it is you're going to do with your life um and (laughs) finding ways to like include people or like say characters or story threads into that failure um kind of thickens the broth so to say
0: yeah yeah Mm. so if the if the beginning of the novel or piece of work that you're you're working on is about opening up questions and setting off your threads your yes buts and your no and um and the end is kind of like closing down those questions or answering those story questions the middle is the middle is um <laughs> ex- uh, that's a great way to frame that um Huh. That's a really good way to frame it. Uh, the 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 middle for me is uh, these are the conflicts I care about, um, and 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 repeated demonstrations of why it matters. Um, right. Which I was not able to articulate until you asked me that question. But one <laughs> of the things that I why so I'm here. <laughs> you do ask the best questions. <laughs> um so sometimes i think about it as uh tent posts um Mm -hmm. and i i will often tell people to to look at the middle of the story and to think about the kinds of conflicts that you're interested in and then to go back and figure out the frame that goes around it because like you know we spend a lot of time talking about middles and ends and and in fact with this master class, because it's the mice quotient, which is really about figuring out the frame and then what goes in the in inside that frame, but it's not actually about how to draw the picture in the middle. it's just about what are the ingredients yeah. and the the thing for me is that I think it's good for figuring out, okay, these are the ingredients that I really enjoy playing with. This is the kind of conflict that I find interesting. And then putting, you know, and then knowing that you're going to put a frame around it that makes sense. But so Mm. often when we sit down to write, it's like, I'm going to start. We we start at the beginning and we progress through the story in ways that, uh, that, you know, are often linear. And so we get into the middle and often I have, Personally found that I've gotten into a middle that I'm not actually interested in. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Ooh, that sounds that sounds challenging. That sounds difficult. You know, it's the thing. It's like, oh, I have just written a thing, an inquiry story that is all about <sighs> having like lawyers argue things. I really I'm just It's a kind of conflict I'm just not interested in. And so, you know, it's like, well, how, what are the other, what am I interested in? What aspect of this problem should I have been focusing on? If not the legal inquiry, maybe the thing I'm actually more interested in is the restoration of status quo. So, Mm -hmm. so that then tells me that if I'm looking at that, then, Sometimes it means that I need a different main character. Sometimes it means this main character is fine. I just need to set the problem up in a different way. But yeah. Okay. I don't know. Does that make sense to anyone else? Since I just made that up on the spot of the, uh, (laughs) the middles are about (laughs) about Uh, reiterating what's important and why.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, This is why I like the middle, because the middle is where I get to have those big tentpole events that I've been kind of daydreaming about since before I actually started writing the novel. Um, And so that's kind of the thing that keeps me going. Yeah. Good stuff.
0: All right. So I believe that we have arrived at homework time. And you guessed it. It's time to grab your fairy tale again. I want you to look at the conflicts that are in the middle and think about whether or not those are the conflicts you actually want to engage with. And if they are, see if you can add an appropriate try-fail cycle that does not leave the rails. So see if you can add, if you've got something that is character and event, See if you can add a try-fail cycle that is pure event. See if you can add one that is pure character. And then see if you can add one that kicks from one to the other. In a perfect world, if you're being extremely excited, uh, see if you can kick it back the other way. You don't have to do them in sequence, but try playing with those and see what that does for your medals. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, C.L. Polk, Charlotte Forfier, and Mary Robinette Kowal. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of